This morning, we begin an eight-day journey together. We call it a summit. You get this picture of a mountain, and we are climbing together. We're ascending together. You say, Greg, what's, what's at the top? What we call awakening or the revived life, a place of new intimacy with God, a place of more consistent obedience, a place where we see the character of Christ demonstrated uh, more consistently in our life, a, a place of healthy relationships. This is the place, this is the life the death and resurrection of Christ makes available to all of us. Now, this theme of yes, what's keeping many of us from experiencing this revived life, this awakened life, is again our reluctance to simply say yes to God. So our first message in this journey is titled, Your Next Yes. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 5, a book that I know you're well familiar with because your pastor's been preaching in Luke for some time, I understand. Luke chapter 5 and then your workbook, page 8. You do need to learn to multitask in a life action conference. Your Bible in one hand, your workbook in the other. Bring that workbook to every session. And at the end of the conference, you're going to have in your workbook a tremendous wealth of information. Uh, Great material for family devotions, for small group Bible study. Because everything we share is extremely practical and easily transferable to others. Now, I'll start each message with what I call a revival truth, just a succinct statement so you know exactly where we're going. Here's our first revival truth. You experience God's presence and power in new and fresh ways each time you say yes to God. Let's just think about those little words, yes and no. Small words, but extremely impactful. Typically, some of the very first words we learn as we are learning to talk. Your child probably uses that word yes or no quite a bit. As a matter of fact, they may use more yes or more no depending on their personality and uh, uh, their unique bent, so to speak. But think about how that word yes, especially how impactful that is. For those who are married, There was a moment that you and your spouse stood before a minister and the question was asked, do you take this man, this woman, to be your lawful married wife? And when you said yes, changed your life and still changes your life. The person that you're currently employed by, you sat down at a job interview at some point and that person offered you a position and you said yes, and that's still changing your life, this power of yes and no. All right, Luke chapter 5, look at verse 1 with me. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, on Christ, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. All right, pause just a moment. The setting is important. It's early in the public ministry of Jesus. He's just begun to call his disciples, and this is one of his first interactions with this man, Simon. We will later know him better by the name of Peter, or sometimes Simon Peter, one of the first disciples to be called. Jesus is getting ready to ask Simon to say yes. 
a major yes that will change his life. Now let me hit pause and just ask this question. When is the last time you can remember saying yes to God? I'm in a specific situation where you spent, uh, you sensed God's spirit was prompting you to do something, a, a specific act of obedience, and you can recall distinctly saying yes to God. Now, if you can't remember the last time you said yes to God, that might be troublesome. That might indicate that you've begun to drift spiritually, that you're not walking in close intimacy with the Lord. Think about this. Your Christian life is only as fresh as the last yes that you said to God. So let's continue with our text down to verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Pause again. Again, it starts as just an ordinary day. You got up this morning, you said, it seems like maybe there's something special going on at church, but you didn't really come perhaps with any significant sense of expectation. Just another ordinary day. And then Jesus shows up and everything changes. Saying yes to God. I want to show you five things that happen when you and I agree to say yes to God. Number one, saying yes to God changes your life. Saying yes to God changes your life. The life of Peter will be forever changed from this day forward simply because he was saying he was willing to say yes to Christ. We think of others in scriptures whose lives were profoundly impacted because they were willing to say yes. Noah said yes and built the ark that saved him, saved him and his family from the flood. Abraham said yes and became a father of many nations. Moses said yes and became the deliverer of his people. David said yes and defeated the giant, saving Israel from Philistine domination. Esther said yes, and God used her to save her people from genocide. Mary said yes and became the mother of the Savior of the world. Now, someone already is checking out. Greg, I know that these people did incredible things. I know of others whom God is using mightily, but you don't understand. I have a lot of baggage in my life. I have a lot of shortcomings in my life. As a matter of fact, there's someone this morning who's reluctant to say yes to God because you've said no so many times. You may even wonder if God would ask you to say yes again. Interesting, back in verse 8, when Peter realizes who he's talking to, when Jesus reveals his divine nature through the miraculous catch of fishes. Notice Peter's first response. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He didn't go into detail, but he knew at that moment his past, his background, in his opinion, disqualified him from going forward with the Lord Jesus. Now, 
If you're struggling with that same situation, you're in good company. Jacob, greatly used by God, was a chronic liar and a cheat. Moses stuttered. Timothy was fearful, struggled with ulcers. Abraham was too old. David was too young. Noah was an alcoholic. Rahab was an immoral person. Paul was a murderer. Thomas was a doubter. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. You say, Greg, I've got issues. Well, I would say you're in good company. Let me show you what God is looking for. You find it in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Mason, you're going to have to help me. I'm not forwarding here. Thank you. Now, you're going to learn, I love to hear God's people read Scripture out loud. So I want you to read with me this passage off the screens. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. There's a great word picture here. God is looking, looking, looking. Looking where? At the heart. Specifically, those whose heart is blameless toward him. Now, the word blameless here doesn't mean perfect. We'd all be disqualified. A blameless heart is a person who has brought his or her sin to God, confessed that sin, and appropriated God's forgiveness and cleansing. You say, I'm not qualified. None of us are. But by the grace of God and the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. You're going to hear me share stories with you. Now, these are stories, testimonies of people who said in conferences just like this, all over the country, said yes to God, and then at the end of the conference, shared their story with us. I met Lauren in Jefferson City, Missouri. Listen to Lauren's story. Coming into the revival, I was a bitter woman and was not aware I even needed to be revived. I grew up in the church, trusting Christ at a young age, attended a Christian high school and Christian university. However, after school, marriage, two kids, and almost 10 years later, I found myself far from where I started in my faith. I had stopped listening to Christian music, then stopped studying the Bible, no longer attended church. I even stopped praying. I was bitter and didn't know that I was. This revival brought me back to Christ, my first love. I'm praying again, attending church. God is turning my life around. That could be your story at the end of our eight-day journey together. Saying yes to God, number one, it changes your life. Number two, saying yes to God in little things will lead to bigger things. Saying yes to God in little things will lead to bigger things. The first thing Jesus asked of Peter was a little thing. Hey, can I borrow your boat? The crowd had pushed him to the edge of the water. He said, can I just use your boat? Push me out a little bit. I'll use the water to amplify my voice. And Peter said, yes. The second thing he asked Peter was still a small thing, relatively small. He just said, would you be willing to load your gear back in the boat and launch out with me into the deep? Now, because Peter was willing to say yes in those little things, it opened the door for a much bigger thing. Now, there's someone here today, I don't know who, God's been asking you to say yes in a little thing. Now, and by the way, our perspective 
I say little things. That's from our perspective. God may have much bigger things in mind, even in the seemingly little thing that he's asking. Some of you here are frustrated in your walk with God. You're stalled in your walk with God because you've not been willing to say yes in some little things. And God has such greater things for you. By the way, we find this principle in Matthew 25, 21, one of Jesus' parables. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Because you were faithful in little things. Because you said yes in a little thing. I'm going to entrust you with greater things. I met Chris in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Here's Chris's story. The Life Action team focused in on my heart. I was broken daily with messages of pride, putting off my sin, forgiving others, and the sufficiency of grace. The Lord poured out his spirit on me and my family. He healed relationships throughout the church, brought true revival to my pastor, the deacons, and the church as a whole. It started out fairly ordinary. But when you see people say, families brought back together, when you see people who have held grudges for years come to forgive each other, you understand there is nothing ordinary about what God has done. A seemingly ordinary day, a, a little thing to say yes to God, and God did great, great things. Go down to verse 9 with me. Let's continue through the text. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. A third thing that happens when we say yes. Saying yes to God helps conquer your fears. Helps conquer your fears. Now, again, Jesus is getting ready to make a big, big ask. He's going to ask Peter to make the biggest decision of his life, a huge course correction. But before the ask, again in verse 8, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. There are some in the room this morning, I don't know who, there's some in the room this morning, you've been reluctant to say yes to God and let's just be honest, because of your fear. What are you afraid of? Someone here is afraid that God may ask you to do something that you don't really want to do. Or God may ask you to give something that you aren't prepared to give. There may even be someone in the room, you're reluctant to say yes for God for fear of failure. What if I launch out, say yes, and I fall on my face? And that fear is holding you back. Let me tell you why you're reluctant to say yes. Why you're allowing fear to prevail. Let me just speak very honestly here. The crux of the matter is you don't trust God. You don't trust God. You're afraid to say yes because you doubt God's intentions. You don't trust God. And let me tell you why you don't trust God. You don't trust God because you have not spent the time to cultivate a deep, impactful relationship with him. Don't we teach our children, don't trust strangers? See, the sad reality is for some in the room, God is a stranger to you. You don't know God's ways. Because if you knew his ways, if you knew the Father heart of God, 
you'd fully trust. And that trust would allow you to overcome your fear. Read this one with me out loud off the screen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now, for somebody in the room, that verse was for you today. Because at this moment, you're gripped with fear. You're paralyzed with your fears. That fear does not come from God. God doesn't give us spirit of fear, but rather, he counters our fears with power, with love, with a sound mind. Lord willing, next Sunday morning when we gather, we'll be hearing testimonies, a testimony service of what God's been doing in the hearts of his people. I met Nathan in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Listen to his description of his testimony that morning. This morning during the service, my wife and I were able to stand in front of our church, most of whom were strangers to us, and by the power and courage of the Lord, we were able to share our testimony. My wife was completely out of her element and scared, but the Lord used her testimony of being very angry, bitter, having psychological issues to touch the hearts of many. And my testimony of 15 years of drug addiction and alcohol abuse, deceit, stealing, also resonated with many more than I would have imagined. God used this week to chip away the ugly parts, the unneeded parts, in order to create two people who look more like Christ. And that might be your story at the end of this week. The things that have been holding you in bondage, things like fear and anger and resentment, addictions to destructive sins like lust, those are the things that God might choose to set you free from in these days so that you might bring glory and honor to his name. Number four, saying yes to God affects those around you. Saying yes to God affects those around you. Now, it started with Peter saying yes to God, but it didn't end there. His two partners, those brothers, James and John as well, stepped up to say yes to God. Think of it like this when you drop a pebble into the pool of water. There are ripples that go in every direction. When you say yes to God, it not only impacts you, but it will also begin impacting those who live in closest proximity to you. When a husband and a father says yes to God, I want to step up and be the spiritual leader in my home. I want to be an example of personal holiness to my wife and to my children. When a husband or father makes that kind of decision, it impacts the entire family. When a wife says, Lord, I'm going to be honest. I'm tired of allowing my anger to continue to resurface and to continue to promote a critical spirit. And I want to get honest with you, God, and I believe that you can tame my tongue. That doesn't just impact her. That impacts her children, her entire family as well. I met Nicole just down the road in Lebanon Valley, Pennsylvania. Now listen to Nicole's story. Life action is a blessing. Thank you for working with our children and the adults. Our six, almost seven-year-old accepted the Lord after spending a week in Happy Heart City. Our 12-year-old realized he is struggling with forgiveness. I've been struggling for a period of time. I find I need revival in my heart. I need to let go of hurts and anger, rely more on the Lord for my everyday struggles to be more in prayer and in his word. Life action has been an encouragement to me 
and we say praise the Lord. A fifth benefit, a fifth thing that happens, saying yes to God often requires saying no to other things. Saying yes to God often requires saying no to other things. Now, when we're first introduced to Peter, what's he doing? Verse 2 says he was washing his nets. They'd been out fishing. They'd caught nothing. So the practice was to wash the nets before they store them for the next day's fishing trip. In other words, Peter's busy. He's a businessman. People depend upon him. He's got a family to support. He's got partners. He has a pretty thriving business. And later the description of his house is it's a pretty sizable house. In other words, when Jesus first comes to Peter, Peter is busy. How easy would it have been for Peter to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I know you're needy. Lots of folks are needy. I'm just too busy and what he would have missed now i pastored two churches where i held four life action conferences just like this so i know that some of you have been less than enthusiastic to your response to the news that your pastors were bringing an outside group in and and that you were going to meet for eight days now you probably didn't say anything because you loved your pastor so much but you're thinking to yourself, brother, you're just, uh, you, know, you just don't know my world. You don't understand how busy I am. We've got kids in school. We've got sports. We've got this. We've got that. I find it so interesting the way people use the word busy today. It's like we have a disease. Sorry, I'm just too busy. Can't help it. I'd love to be there. I'd love to come. Just too busy. Let's get honest. Why are we too busy? Because we're unwilling to say no to a few good things to say yes to God, the best thing. The hardest thing to say no to for me, it's found in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. The hardest thing for me, the thing I have to say no to most often is no to my sin, no to my selfishness, no to my plan, my purpose, my agenda. And yet Jesus would describe a life of commitment to him as constantly saying no to self, no to me, and yes to Christ. The last verse in our text is verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. It's pretty radical, wouldn't you say? They left everything. Now understand, in leaving those boats and leaving those nets, they were leaving their source of income. They were leaving their financial security. They were leaving much of their sense of who they were. Who am I? I'm a fisherman. I'm a successful fisherman. I'm I'm a leader in the community here. They were leaving all of that to embrace the gospel and say yes to Christ. As I mentioned, I hosted four conferences just like this. And by the way, that's why I'm so excited about these next eight days because I've watched God work firsthand in my life and in my family and in the lives of my congregations. I've, I've just, in, in these seasons where we're 
focusing so intently on the Lord. In my experience, I've seen God do things I don't typically see at other times in my ministry. The last church that I pastored was a church in a suburb of Dallas, Texas, Grapevine, Texas. It's what I describe as my dream church, an affluent suburb of Dallas. This 45-acre campus, just a gorgeous campus, and, and just uh, the kind of church I had always desired to pastor, and God graciously gave it to me. Patty and I had been there 10 years, and at the end of that 10 years, they celebrated, we celebrated. It looks like they love us, and we like them. We're going to hang around here for a while. We went out, and we bought a house, and we spent six months remodeling the house. I mean, top to bottom, did a lot of the work ourselves so six months after that remodel, as we're starting our second decade in the church, I get this call, March 2013, this call that rocked my world, Life Action, inviting us to come and travel full-time. I had been speaking for the ministry part-time for a number of years. See, I loved this ministry long before I was part of it because of what I saw God doing through the ministry. And so that call... I knew it was significant. I mean, I knew it was going to be a major life changer for us. Initially, we both thought God was in this. We took 30 days. I fasted on and off and prayed because I knew how serious the decision was. And we both felt strongly this was God's leading. So in June of 2013, I resigned my church. We put our house on the market. We sell, give away a lot of our stuff. We start raising support. It would have been so easy to have said no to God. This was a church I loved. Plus, I'd been pastoring 30 years. I loved the calling and the opportunity of pastoring and just walking with people daily as they sought the Lord. It would have been so easy to say, Lord, but I love being a pastor. Just bought that house, just remodeled the house. It would have been a great excuse. But really the hardest thing for us was for the first time in our lives, we were living near our family. Two of our three children were living in the area. We were excited that they were ready to start giving us grandchildren. And we had all of these expectations. But we said yes to Christ. So thankful God gave us the grace to be able to say yes. And hear me, church, five years later, I've watched God change literally thousands of lives. I can't tell you how many I've seen set free from anger and bitterness and lust. I can't tell you how many marriages, how many stories. We've just got literally thousands of stories of how God worked in the heart of a husband and a wife to renew their love for him and for each other and turning the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents is watching congregations grow and their love for one another and watching healing through broken relationships and so thankful that God has privileged me to have a little part in the building up of his kingdom. 